spread the fire welcome back to smwx fam and today i'm extremely excited to bring you another interview with one of south africa's preeminent political thinkers and academics we have professor who is associate professor of political studies at the university of johannesburg well-known commentator and he's written this book in 2020 published the anatomy of the anc in power insights from port elizabeth slash um, 1990-2019. Looking forward to this conversation. Let's get into it. Thanks so much for joining us on SMWX and uh, looking forward to our conversation. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. I've been looking forward to it. So finally, I'm delighted that you get to meet here. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you on. You've been uh, requested many times on, on my social media channels. So there we are. I'm delivering. I, I call this service delivery. <laughs> <laughs> One of the rare cases, yeah. <laughs> Indeed. So um, this is a really interesting book which gives us insight into how the ANC has operated in power and out of power um, over the period 1990 to 2019. And I'm wondering, as we approach this work and what it means in politics right now, why you took the methodological approach of looking at a specific city in South Africa to understand how the ANC works there um, and you know, many other works look at the national picture or even provincial pictures. What was it about Tabeja or Port Elizabeth that uh, interested you? Well, uh, let me start with the theological scholarly perspective. Most of the works that, that has uh, focused on the ANC looks at national politics. Um, mm. And national politics, yes, tell us of what is happening However, they don't tell us of the complete picture uh, because national politics are a reflection of what is happening on the ground. Mm. And secondly, you don't get a sense because we get you know, a lot of reportage about ANC problems mm. and mm. those reports disappear and they come back again and you wonder why haven't they solved these problems? Uh, and so to, to really understand the why, why are these problems recurring? Uh, surely they must know about them because the damage is there for everybody to see. So, so why aren't they um, solving these problems? So I thought the best way of doing that is to take a kind of historical view of sorts. Mm. Um, look at, look at, at the time when things were all fine how the problems start and what is the initial reaction to that? What are the remedies proposed and what happens with the implementation of the remedies? And what then are the forces that come into play preventing the efficiency of those proposed solutions? And for me, that was, that was uh, uh, the best way of giving a complete picture uh, to account for, for why this thing has been persisting for so long without mm. any remedy in sight. Mm. So that was the one thing. And of course, the choice of PE, I know, but uh, I, uh, 
I'm still a bit old school for different reasons, though. Um, okay. We'll no, talk I'm, about I'm interested that because I'm not keen yeah. on the name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, 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 you know, P, I'm from P, it's my hometown, born and raised, and still have a home visit there quite regularly. And everybody from PE is very proud of PE. Um, and, and we grew up in PE as, as a, home of, uh, a home of Congress politics. And we claim it. We say the ANC PE is one place where the ANC was most vibrant. I talk about it in the book. Mm, mm. And so we've always, it has always been synonymous with Congress politics. Uh, and we never thought. Um, at a subjective level, obviously, that the ANC would ever be replaced and replaced by a predominantly white party at that, the Democratic Alliance. And also the decline of the ANC, one never uh, foresaw that um, because of the dominance, electorally, symbolically, historically. Uh, and so when it did happen, it was, it was quite a shock. Um, I mean, I remember, even though uh, empirically, the ANC had been declining from 2009, uh, but just the idea of it losing was uh, it never crossed one's mind. And so when it happened, there's a closer saying that Ilanga uh, Lichone means sunset at midday. It's mm. something you never thought would happen, but it did happen. The sun set at midday. That's how mm. we described uh, the ANC loss. So I, I, the idea then was to, was, to, was to show as a political scientist, that is, uh, this is... This, you can explain this easily. It's not a mystery. Um, all the signs were there. Uh, the idea was to bring forth all these, um, uh, this information, uh, knit it together, analyze it, and show a trail of how these things happen and how people become um, uh, inactive or rather are complicit and benefit from corruption because you know, some of us, uh, we frown upon corruption, but corruption is an economy uh, to people. And uh, once people get into power, um, commit corruption, they don't really care. But the very fact that they engage in corruption is an indication that they don't care about the welfare of the party mm -hmm. or the public good. And so when they get into power, even though the party might be facing uh, electoral decline, they are more interested about protecting themselves. So they use power for to you know to 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 uh, prolong their access to patronage and also uh, they destroy any opportunity of investigations because they don't want to be found out. Being found out means that you might go to prison. And if you are a thief, it means you prefer the good life. No one, no no thief ever entertains going to prison. So mm. yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, can I digress quickly because I'm interested as an expert on PE politics, in your view on this on this name question, um, you alluded to it, but why why are you um, why are you anti the the Kodeha, um, move? It's a poor choice of of name, uh, terribly poor, and inappropriate for the city. If you are to follow the technical guidelines of the geographic uh, committee. In that historically, Kabecha has always applied to an old township called Woba. Um, that's what it was called. It's a historical name referred specifically to, to Woma. And so if you are to restore um, the dignity and linguistic accuracy, 
then you can do that in the instance of warmer. Um, that's one thing. But secondly, for I I I I I'm also wary of these essentialist arguments. Um, uh, that the true African identity is a pre-colonial identity. That's a whole lot of nonsense. Mm. As if African identity froze uh, at that moment of interaction with Jan van Riebeck. So everything authentic is pre-colonial. And so the identity and culture of black people froze uh, post uh, that interaction. I mean, it's really old anthropological nonsense. So, so that's kind of intellectual objection to that. But perhaps even more important is that part of name changes in as much as it seeks to restore culture and everything else, it also talks of commerce and trade and tourism. And, um, and, and there's, there's something called uh, marketing of cities. Um, cities are a sector of economy. Uh, they have to, they compete among each other. They have to, to market themselves. They compete, PE maybe compete with uh, what? Cape Town with Lagos, maybe, uh, maybe Paris, I don't know. Um, but uh, whoever might be looking to come to come to, to South Africa, for instance, from outside the country, uh, would be attracted to PE by certain things. Um, and one of the things is that city, obviously, PE has been the hub of, of anti-intellectual, I mean, anti-apartheid struggle. Um, and that is why when they created the metro in 2000, they decided to name it Nelson Mandela Metro. Um, and subsequent to that, uh, in the period leading towards the World Cup, they realized that they couldn't market PE as Port Elizabeth because of colonial connotations. And, and they, they realized the, 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 the appeal of the Nelson Mandela uh, brand. And so the city council, uh, uh, decided that they would name the city and market it as, as Nelson Mandela City. Um, but they couldn't use that officially because they, they would have had to go through the process of name changes. Um, but then other things uh, uh, became more important, preparations towards the World Cup. So, so unofficially, um, the council had a resolution to change the name of the city to Nelson Mandela City. Um, and they marketed the city as such. Nelson Mandela spent billions of rands marketing the city as Nelson Mandela City. So you have a city that is already already has a brand, has been marketed, a decision taken. Um, however, because of the maladministration that set in soon after 2010, they couldn't go back to the process or resume the process of formally changing the name. Um, and so when you talk of cities, you talk of tourism, you talk of marketing. So it makes sense that you have already invested so much money. You're talking of tourism, there's a brand. Why not continue on that path? And I find the objections uh, um, uh, completely unappealing. Uh, the objections against the name Nelson Mandela City and, and the, uh, the advocacy for Kamecha. And part of this thing really is about the, 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 the advocates of the name uh, oftentimes insist on the name because they want to spite white folks. Uh, because they think everybody rejecting the name necessarily agrees with white people. White people can't pronounce that. We can't be doing things simply because we want to spite white people. Uh, I mean, we are, we are, you know, 
black people are in charge in this country. They should do things based on what they think is best. And, and you, you also don't want to have this thing, you know, the only people who speak in defense of the economy are white people. And, 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 uh, and black people, for some, reason, for some reason, don't think about tourism. They don't think, I, I don't dismiss the idea that if you, if you uh, um, celebrate African names like this, you are triggering uh, interest in the origin in African mm -hmm. history. I don't dismiss that. You can use that name, apply it to Woma. Uh, it will still be part of, of our public consciousness and it will catch people's attention and people will still get to find out about the origins of Rebecca. And in fact, I'm one of those who wrote in, in support of, of uh, David Stillman name change at the airport. Uh, because I mean, David Stillman is a heroic figure in, in the anti-colonial struggles, especially in the Eastern Cape, and, and validates the transracial uh, alliances that we had among Khosas and the Khoisan against, against colonialism. And I felt that uh, the Khoisan history had not been sufficiently celebrated. Um, and so, but in the case of Prebrechais, it applies to, to, to the city. It, 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 it makes complete nonsense. It's, it's an interesting take and it's an interesting view into the internal politics of the city and how that internal politics that's often invisible to us um, in the mainstream national media narrative feeds into national debates. And in many ways, this is what your book helps us to see and, and reveals for us. Um, I, I want to come to an interesting moment in the book, um, which really traces this long history of, of the city. But of course, no one could forget the, the moment in 2016 when the ANC officially loses an election, loses power, even isn't the, the biggest party anymore in this place, which is once a stronghold. And then we kind of take our eye off what happens to the ANC within this place there. Take us through how the ANC as a party out of power has behaved in this key city, this key contested area in our country? How the ANC behaves once it loses incumbency is a perfect illustration of how incumbency had disfigured it. Hmm. Because it could, not, it could not exist without power, uh, mainly because power granted it access to patronage. Um, two things happened immediately uh, after they lost. Initially, their reaction was that it, there was an admission that things had gone wrong uh, mm -hmm. and that uh, solutions were not necessarily applied. And so they needed to go back to discussing what, was, what went wrong and, 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 and commit uh, to fixing things. And, and one of the problems they recognized uh, earlier was incumbency that they needed to shy away from incumbency for a while uh, because it was the source of the vice. Uh, mm. they, they get to squabble and focus on, on resources without any attention to the broader issues of public good. Mm. So, so they had this uh, workshop um, in September, a couple of months after they had lost. They had lost. So, so they had this workshop. Um, normally they would have uh, this conference for about three days. They couldn't have it for three days. They had it for one and a half day. And the reason for that was because they didn't have money 
to rent the place for three days. In <laughs> fact, that venue they had gotten it for free. <laughs> so that that was a, that was an indication uh, mm. that, uh, that that it was a new dawn. Things had changed. <laughs> yeah. uh, as a result of which, that conference, a uh, broad uh, consultative forum, they called it. Uh, they didn't. The, the the discussions that happened in the commissions didn't come back to report to plenary, so you don't mm -hmm. really have resolutions of that of that um, forum. Uh, mm -hmm. But there, there was a commitment. You know, we should focus on the party, uh, be more discerning in the selection of leaders, um, improve organizational processes, restore integrity of of, of the membership processing. Uh, and all those things, all good things that the ANC has been talking about. Uh, but soon after that, their commitment to acting on those resolutions kind of declined. Uh, two things, a, a recurring problem, the problem that they had uh, encountered at the forum kept on recurring. That is the, 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 the damaging effect of, of not having money. Um, they couldn't pay electricity. Um, their comrades were fired, obviously, that had happened a lot earlier because MMCs, they employ political appointees, right? So you mm -hmm. could have 20, 25 people were, were, were uh, dismissed as soon as their political principal were kicked out. They also lost their jobs. The organization could not get money anymore. It could not get money because it used to influence the, the, the tender issuing processes uh, mm -hmm. in return for, for a bribe pretty much. Um, and so they couldn't, they couldn't pay electricity. They couldn't pay salaries for staff at uh, Francis Matamela House. Um, they couldn't host um, typical organizational celebrate, uh, rituals, celebrations, such mm -hmm. as uh, uh, um, Freedom Day and your normal May Day rallies. They couldn't host any of those because mm -hmm. they did not have money. Um, and, and there's a classic, there's a classic report done by one of the Herald, and the Herald newspaper has been good with keeping all the archives. They've done an excellent job. Um, mm. So one of their reporters there interviewed uh, at, uh, one treasurer, uh, one guy who was a treasurer at the time, um, and, and he confessed because they had organized this uh, celebration and, and it was poorly attended. Um, and this journalist was there and she asked, so what happened? Bapa Bandu, where are people? Mm. And, and, the, and the treasurer said, Mdanam, let me tell you something. Let me tell you the truth. Asina Maali, he said. Mbulelo, Mbulelo Kita is his name. That Mdanam, Asina Maali. People like it only when the ANC is in power. Mm. Uh, in the lead up to this celebration, I called so many business people. They promised and promised, but never came to the party. And so when the ANC lost elections, it lost financial support. Mm. And so the organization could not function, uh, both in terms of its own um, organizational rituals, uh, public activities, and organizationally. Uh, so in, 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 it, 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 it was threatened with... Uh, what invisibility pretty much in the public limelight because it couldn't have its own activities and you know uh, and it yeah. couldn't function organizationally. So they decided after this thing of not going back to power, yeah. Asna Mali, we need to get back. <laughs> so they then decided 
they then decided that they would go back uh, into power by, by hook or crook. And, and that then got them into bed with a very notorious figure, Mwanganeli uh, Bobani, uh, who's unfortunately passed mm. away. By the way, I wanted to ask about, about that. Um, just again to now zoom out to events that have happened after the book's publication. Firstly, I think that's a fascinating uh, view into how the party acts when, when it loses power. And it's so interesting to me because I think we, we often assume that if a dominant party is shocked or, or if, it, if it's burned, it will, it will regroup and it will really think about what it needs to do and, and find its feet. But there's no guarantee. And actually, it, it might even become more cynical when it loses power, um, as you show, which is, which is really a fascinating insight that runs counter to many widely held assumptions. Um, but Bobani's death in November, um, as someone who was mayor, how do you think that has influenced dynamics on the ground as we speak with the ambiguity of this, this new leadership as well? Well, Bobani, Bobani's party, the UDM, um, at the time had two seats. So um, Balance of power is quite even, delicately uneven uh, there. And so Bobani's two votes uh, you know, were quite crucial. Uh, it could either tilt power in favor of the ANC or in favor of the DA. Mm. Uh, and so with him out of the picture, uh, it meant that you had you had a new um, you know, new head, sober-minded, right-minded head or leader of the UDM in PE, uh, who, who, who cared you know, for, for good governance, uh, was keen to make a good impression. Bobani was not into that. I mean, Bobani, Bobani was a thug and, and didn't, uh, a thief, really. And for me, this was quite interesting because Bandu Olomisa has always been big on ethical politics. Uh, but with Bobani, he was very protective. Um, it would be interesting to find out why. Uh, did he get any of the loot that 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 Bobani got? And and of course, Bobani was implicated in this uh, public tran transportation system that had been promised and uh, was started, but never quite got off the ground. Uh, for which billions of rands were put aside, uh, at least a billion, if not more, um, and it was siphoned by a whole lot of people. And it's only now that that trial is getting underway. Uh, and so Bobani was also implicated in that. So getting money, there's the, the some evidence that he got money. And so the question is, was his party boss protective of him because he shared that money with him? Or why was that? Because I, I found, I mean, I've been following Bantu since 97, 98, when he set up um, the UDM actually. Uh, so him protecting Bobani was quite strange. So with Bobani out of the picture, Ngabangwangwa, um, I think, took the lead to some degree. And the two, the two UDM uh, leaders that are there have been following the queue from national leaders. And Ngabangwa uh, and Ngaba, um, they get along. Uh, they don't only share a name, but they also get along. Um, and and. He has been, Guangwa has been protective and, and quite keen on good governance. They both agreed that the ANC has been uh, bad news uh, 
for for the metro, uh, and so they are determined to turn things around. So so the the demise of Bobadi uh, in a very sad way has led to improvements. Mm. Mm. Well, let's let's come back to to the text um, and and to the narrative because uh, you've spoken a little bit about how how the ANC acted when it was out of power first trying to do some soul searching then realizing actually no let's let's go back to finding our way to power um but your book also focuses a lot on the lead up to to that process and the way that the anc uh, became co-opted in many different directions um, and as i was reading i couldn't help but think about you know how how much and in many ways it's very different to the national picture but there are so many similarities to the national picture um, so take us through some of the insights that your book gives us about the way that uh, private interests come to co-opt political interests and this ultimately undermines the party agenda Private interest in the sense of, of the underworld, um, criminals. Uh, there is a there's a point where Andy Lelungisa, for instance, um, the party gets quite determined to kick him out, um, mm. and they disband uh, the REC, the Regional Executive Committee that he was part of, um, and he refuses to vacate this regional office. Mm. And so he then, he then uh, because within the ANC, he doesn't have support. So he needs some protection, he needs some muscle um, to help him stay in the office. So he, he gets into cahoots with Bobani to issue a contract that is meant to clean up uh, drains in PE. There was no problem with drains in PE at the time. The whole municipality has a unit whose job is dedicated to the cleanup of drains. And they issue about 22 million rand. Um, they, they couldn't get officials to authorize this thing because it was illegal. So officials, it was towards Christmas, the officials ran away, they took early leave, sick leave. And they literally ran away and they were being hounded by these criminal elements. They would go door to door looking for someone who was meant to sign because they were told mm -hmm. by Andy there that these officials are refusing to sign. So, um, the officials left and, and they then decided, okay, council will issue authorization for this train business. And they had a meeting at Centenary Hall in New Brighton. It was intentional to have that meeting there because they knew that you know, it was in the townships, all these uh, gangsters would gather there. And it was issued under the guise of empowering um, small business people. Well, in fact, most of them were just shelf companies that were owned by gangsters. And, and ANC councillors, those who, who were known to be resistant to this idea, uh, got threatening SMSs. For instance, one of them was Ngatisi Captain, who sadly passed away from COVID-19. And he, in the morning, he got an SMS from one of this notorious figure, uh, Baba Ningi, uh, who said, oh, by the way, we heard that you don't want this thing. Uh, we'll be watching you. So, so he knew that he would be watched. And they also knew that the meeting would, would, uh, would finish in the wee hours of the morning, late at night. So you don't know what would happen. Um, and so the whole ANC 
was intimidated uh, by violence into agreeing, uh, you know, raising their hands. And there were, the gangsters were up there looking to see who was not, who, who had not raised his hand. And they would scream out, Sinichongi, you know, we are looking at, I mean, so, so mm -hmm. gangsters brought in to undermine uh, um, legal processes, democratic processes, to threaten violence. And it, it, soon after that, I mean, this thing was issued uh, just before Christmas. It took, it took them about 13 days or so to issue process and pay. I mean, with government, you don't hmm. process, uh, you don't recruit companies have companies do their work, verify and still pay within 13, and, mm. 13 to 16 days. I mean, that was mm. a record. It must have that been the fastest ever. That, yeah, that alone showed you that they hadn't done any work uh, and, and subsequent forensic investigations showed that they hadn't done any work. Um, this money was uh, issued uh, illegally. And soon thereafter in January, the gangsters started killing each other because they had called each other out of this money. You had uh, probably 15 deaths uh, out of that. I mean, PE was a killing spree. At daylight, they were killing each other uh, from January to about February, March. And so these private interests, criminal interests were brought in uh, to, to enable and provide muscle uh, to rogue councillors to help with the thievery of, of government money. Um, and these guys, because they were now implicated in this corruption, were not keen on losing power, right? Mm, they, mm. they were determined to stay in, um, to foil any attempts at investigating, um, mm. cancel passing resolutions to investigate or clean up, because they knew that should things be done properly, things be taken further to law enforcement agencies, they would be in trouble. So even though, going back to your earlier point, even though they could see that the party is not doing well, and the the literature tells us that uh, electoral losses are a trigger for reforms. Mm -hmm. In this case, because they had committed so much corruption, they became intent, even more intent, to stay within uh, and, 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 and cover up, really. The idea was to cover up, sit on this thing, hopefully stay long enough to a point where you can even destroy evidence. Uh, because if you, if, you, if you left, the new guys that will come in are most likely will investigate and all this thing will come to the fore and we will most likely face prison as it is now happening. So um, to, to round off, um, and by the way, just a reminder, get yourself a copy of this, of this work. It's a very interesting insight into the operation of power within a South African city and through the lens of ANC politics in power, out of power. Um, and of course, we, we find ourselves now on the precipice of another election, one which will determine uh, the balance of power going forward. Towards the end of the book, in, in the conclusion, you speak about the 2019 election, which is roughly when the, when the book ends, and how this, this narrative of the ANC trying to regain its credibility nationally has played into the city. Um, and to some extent, improved the votes, but not enough to, to gain a majority. Um, and now we have another election. How do you think this election will influence politics within the city? And do you expect the ANC at this point to do better? Or do you think that the, the highs of the, of the 
new dawn narrative have have slowly started to give way to further cynicism i think that local government elections are really about uh, local issues um in 2019 the ANC improved somewhat uh, their takings there in the metro exceeded 50 percent um and that had to do quite a lot with the zero ramaphosa factor um i mean i i i remember um when i asked for for the answering sheets ANC volunteers they go into houses and you know, try to persuade residents to vote for the ANC and they have with them answering sheets. And, and so one of the things they do is to write the name of the, the residents, the owner of the house, and so as to provide credentials that they were there, you know, they spoke to mm -hmm. this person and that person. But most of the old ladies or local people refused to provide their names and didn't did not even want these people to stay and say, okay, I'll vote for mm -hmm. several. Don't even sit down. Amber, Amber, Ngozi, bye-bye. Most of them were chased out. Uh, most of those answering sheets came back incomplete. Um, so people were just voting for Sarah. They didn't really care for the ANC. So, so the party, uh, for the first time, perhaps after, well, not for the first time, you've had this thing of the leader being more popular than the party. Mandela was like that. Maybe Tabo was like that. Um, and you have it again now, uh, still will be more popular. I mean, it gives credibility. That is why the ANC brought him in in 2012, mm. uh, to give credibility to the scandalous Jacob Zuma. So I, I judged independently of the president, which yeah. is what normally, normally happens with local government elections because, because the party goes through its own local processes. Mm. of selecting candidates and and normally with ANC in that region they get they tend to fight with each other it becomes very ugly and mm. so these ugly scenes remind people of the inglorious in time in office um, and so there is nothing that the ANC at the metro it has done which can possibly improve the party's electoral fortunes. Mm. Um, they are going to do badly. Um, and mm. and not only based on their own records, but most likely because there is going to be some squabbles and they're going to be public uh, because of the law of office. Um, and the fact that there is nothing that they've done so far which shows that um, stability and integrity of the organization has been restored. You haven't had, but mainly because of COVID and all that, so they, you haven't had many organizational processes. Um, but there's no indication that things have improved. They will have a regional conference fairly soon, but chances are they will go back to their bad behavior and their previous record as part of their coalition the major party in that Bobani-led coalition, they were the major party. They benefited from that. You have this uh, uh, notoriety of this train with people dying and, and monies went missing. Uh, and so those are easy things for opposition parties, especially the DA, Mbaba Banga, to throw at the ANC. And you also have a new actor now, having entered the fray, um, Kusevi Jack, 
uh, under Abandu Integrity Movement AIM. Kusta is an old hat in ANC politics, a man of integrity, went into business, um, has no stain to his name. Um, and so someone like that carries a lot of credibility, not only because of what he's doing now as a, you know, a serious business person, but as also as a former anti-apartheid leader. So you know, there's very little uh, with the DA, hopefully the DA can ward off the bad headlines, national headlines, and, and focus public attention on the good things that they're doing locally. If they can do that, they'll do well. Kusta will do somewhat well. He has a good story to tell. It's the ANC really that does not have a good story to tell. And, and I'm afraid uh, Ramaphosa's improvements at a national level won't quite explain away uh, the mess that they've created at a local level. They can't cover that one up, it's bad. Well, uh, Prof, thanks so much for joining us on SMWX, uh, sharing your time, and it would be great to chat to you, particularly once the, the results are in to see how you analyze their the implications. But uh, thanks very much. Make sure you pick up the book, The Anatomy of the ANC in Power, Insights from Port Elizabeth, 1990 to 2019. And um, all the best. Thanks, Isabel. I enjoyed it. Take care. Aye.